Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello, welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Poirot. I'm joined, actually, by editor Matt Kelly. Matt, how are you doing? I'm very well. Steve's on holiday. He's gone off to France, I believe. But Jerry will be joining me later. We're going to be talking about some some things that leave are still getting wrong, some things that remain as well are still getting wrong, and what the impact of changing those would be. And then we will crown a Brexit of the week. But Matt, I wanted to talk to you initially. Um, reading your, your leader in the paper this week... I think I share a slight little bit of optimism with you about maybe how, how the, the public are shifting a little bit. And I think this comes from this talk of the people's vote. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know whether the, I don't know whether the public are shifting or not, but what is definitely true is that the conversation in the media has shifted yeah. quite a lot. You see, the indie. Yeah. Have come, they said that the, um, Moran, the, the Lib Dem, suddenly out of nowhere, leader, uh, leader potential leader said, yeah. first out of the blocks are backing of people's vote. I had to correct her on that, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been doing that for some but, time. I mean, also they were beaten by uh, The Economist yeah, and by yeah. the Mail on Sunday. Mail yeah. on Sunday have now joined yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, I, you've got to kind of put it in the context of the two years we've lived through. And when we were saying this 18 months ago, we were called lunatics, mm-hmm. remainer scum, traitors, uh, and the suggestion was that we were, you know, howling at the moon, and there was only a... And even, I think, amongst kind of real hardcore remainers, there was a sense that, you know, gosh, that would be marvellous, but don't, don't we don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And then last week, you know, Justine Greening comes out and, and says it, but that... I think that was the first time a lot of people woke up to the conversation around mm. a second vote, but... In reality, there'd been a lot of uh, commentary saying this is now plausible. Yeah, it's now certainly possible. And you know that week that Justine Greening came on, I found myself, you know, gratifyingly being asked onto the PM show to talk about the possibilities mm-hmm. with it. Uh, the same on LBC and um, and in other places. And you know, I think what started out as a as a an absolute like you know desperate grasping at straws now to a lot of people looks like a very plausible and attractive route out of, of, of what looks like a terrible situation so what's changed then do you think well I just think the intensity of the of the negative messaging around Brexit yeah. you know the, I mean we don't have to go on too much because I'm put I'm sure people are absolutely depressed about it but you know the idea that we've now got a government talking about 
there's going to be adequate food. It's extraordinary. It's just, <laughs> it's really it's ins- it is insane though, isn't it? You mm. know, that we've gone from, we've gone from that, you know, we're going to make a great success of Brexit to, don't worry, you're not going to starve. Yeah. You know, I mean... Hopefully. It is It is so depressing. We've got a great idea for, a, a, you know, a Mickey take edition, really. I mean, not that there's anything that funny about it, but I think to try and just give it a sense of, of how bad things are, you know, an edition that basically is like a return to the 1940s, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. dig for Brexit. Yeah. And we'll kind of... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll try and um, bring some levity to it, but it is a very serious situation. And the uh, I think the closer the closer we get to that, and as time keeps running out, and uh, people start having to, especially businesses, having to really take contingency plans to, mm. which are very expensive, whether or not yeah, a no yeah, deal yeah. thing happens yeah, or not. Yeah. You know, to have to make those contingency plans, people will be saying. Please, can you remind me why we're doing this? Mm. You know, mm. I, you know, you saw uh, Juncker and uh, Donald Trump effectively hedging towards a, uh, yeah. a trade deal yeah. yesterday. I, I mean, I'm no fan of Juncker's. You know, I think the guy is a, you know, he's he's not a great representation of the EU. So, you know, don't let anybody think that to be a Remainer means that you're blind to well, the this EU. This is the other thing. A lot of people think that we are. Well, I mean. A lot of people think we're funded by the oh, EU for a start. I mean, I have to, if I have to answer that question one more time, but yeah. but they think that we are. Well, can we just say that? I mean, obviously, <laughs> we'll never have to stop saying it. But we're funded by nobody. We <laughs> sell a uh, we sell twenty two thousand newspapers every week, and people pay two pounds fifty for it. So you can do the maths. That's fifty five grand of revenue each week. We uh, have high distribution costs because we have to print a lot of newspapers to get it out across the across the nation. So that takes up quite a lot of that. And we've got editorial costs because we pay people the going rate for their journalism because we think that that's what we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. We have practically no advertising no. because people are nervous about uh, advertising in, in something that is perceived to be polarised. Although I'm hoping as, as you know, the new European moves more into the the centre of the com- yeah, of yeah. the of the political uh, uh, mood that may change, but anyway, the the newspaper is profitable. You know, yeah. it makes money for the group, which is which is good. Uh, if it didn't, then we would have to close it down. But I keep seeing these things about you know this vanity project being yeah, yeah. propped up by Richard Branson or the European <laughs> Union or George Soros. You know, f- gosh, you know, if any of them want to phone me up and give me some money, let's have a conversation. But unfortunately, that is not the case. <laughs> No, and I'm sick of answering the question. But I mean, I think probably um, probably most of the listeners have, have had to answer that question as well. Because yeah. Uh, well, because uh, by the way, them. the only people, listeners, if you're new European readers who fund us is you. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. Also, going back to how that conversation has changed, it feels like it feels like the government are doing the, almost doing their own project fear. But it's not just project fear; it is actual reality. Yeah. You know, yeah. with with Matt Hancock this week talking about not only stockpiling food but stockpiling medicine and blood, and yeah, uh, it, it's extraordinary. And do you think are people suddenly starting to go, oh, all right, so there is going to be problems then? We thought it'd just be all fine. Well, it's. I mean, what's really horrifying to me is, and you know. Actually, there's a really good conversation about what is getting normalised in yeah. in society. I'd like to talk about Owen Jones's campaign a little bit about Nigel Farage uh, in 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 a different light. But what is also getting normalised is this is the lack of ambition for Brexit, mm. and now we're seeing people talking about you know hardcore Brexiteers saying. 
The point is not whether it's good or bad for Britain. The point is the people voted for it. It's blinkered lunacy. Oh, honestly. I mean, where does this stop? <laughs> where do you take that logic to? You know, I mean, how, you know, how much damage do you have to do to yourself before you say, do you know what, I had a chance to change my mind? So, if, if there were to be another vote, and, and we spoke about this actually briefly before, mm. but how do we, is it a, a vote on the deal? So, yes, we like the deal, off we go. Yeah. Or, no, we don't like the deal, go back and negotiate. Or, no, we don't want to leave the EU. Does it need to be a three-pronged so, well, question? That's what everyone seems to think. Mm. Um, I mean, my initial reaction was it should be... It should be as close in, it should be as parallel as possible to the original uh, question, but with the information that was utterly lacking yeah. at that time. And I'm really nervous about about any sort of complexity mm. in it. Uh, and also how people would try and game that. You know, if it's, if it's a, if the only way to do a three-way thing is to take into account people's second choices. Mm. And because the three chunks so say it was uh, the deal Mrs May negotiates no deal or remain in the UK let's say they were the three choices mm. you could imagine that they would be relatively fairly split maybe in a first round of voting and the set, then you bring in the second choices does it then become down to uh, the way um, people feel about about again about Brexit as a as an abstract concept, mm. or do you or do you come to a deal based on a, 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 a consensus? Consensus far too strong a word, but a a, a a vote based on how good or bad it's going to be for Britain. So I'm just keen, really. So I was all a bit rambly that, but I'm just keen that we take as much dogma out of it, yeah, and really just focus on 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 the reality and bear in mind that this is going to have a long impact maybe not forever because I think you know people will in 5, 10, 15 years get an opportunity to go back into a European project of some sort but we won't get it on the same terms no. we've had now maybe we won't be able to get it on the same terms we've got now even if if we reversed it now I mean it's all although all this, and this uh, was my that's what I was going to mention later actually I'll mention it now the, the French Europe Minister whose name I haven't got in front of me I'm afraid no, I don't pronounce it wrong on today said uh, said yes of course if you change your minds yeah, right yeah, now yeah, yeah. you come back with the same deal you've got but is this is this Europe as well yeah. sniffing a slight shift do you oh, think? I think well they've been quite clear haven't they all along saying you know if Britain ever changes its minds then fine you know yeah. but even if we did and we said do you know what let's pretend this never happened well yeah. you can't pretend it never happened no. and our status in Europe will be yeah. diminished of yeah. course yeah Oh yeah, well, absolutely. I think our status will be forever diminished, won't it, because of uh, because of this blip. But but it, you know, with with you know, if we did have a, a, a sort of soft, I can never, I can't imagine us really having ever having a sort of hard Europhile leader, but a softish Europhile leader like Cameron, say, or I mean, Blair was quite pro-European, but yeah. along, you know, surely we could rebuild some of the reputation. Well, over a period of time, yeah, you'd yeah. hope so. But yeah. I mean, I think the point about the diminished reputation, and this is where it's a hard thing to say because you know I love this country and I believe in this country, but this country is deluded mm. about its standing in the world, yeah, yeah, and probably has been for quite a long time, yeah. And I think you know if you look at it in a kind of a long sweep of history, what we're seeing now really is the sort of wash up of 
of imperialistic Britain mm. and all the kind of arrogance mm. that we carry with us and the assumptions of our, you know, superiority versus other other nations and the idea that there's something better about Britain, uh, which I think in many regards is true, but not to the extent that we don't need to collaborate or cooperate. Yeah. So this is the final, the final failed project of uh, empire. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, Britain's such a remarkably diverse place um, and so culturally influential. But I don't think we've really got a clue about how much benefit we have had from other nations. Mm. You know, mm. the integration with Europe. I don't think we've. We've, you know, across every single level, I think there's a kind of genetic arrogance that it's it's down to us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to get that kicked out of us, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you want to talk about Owen Jones? Well, no, I don't want to talk about Owen Jones. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, not at all. But Owen, Owen um, gosh, you know, Owen uh, is, you know, clearly... Uh, full of integrity and passion and believes in what he's doing. Uh, I think he's... So he's launched this campaign to get Nigel Farage kicked off LBC Radio because yeah. Farage had Steve Bannon on. Yeah. And Owen is saying that uh, this is the normalisation of fascism. Yeah. And it's not really, I don't think, about Bannon. It's more about Farage. Uh, Bannon was... An isolated incident. I thought he got a good sort of interrogation. He lost the plot, made a complete, absolute tool of himself, you know. And again, if you're in any doubt about what a nasty piece of work Steve Bannon is, yeah. you had it confirmed for you there. So that's. I think that's fine. Um, but to say Nigel Farage shouldn't have a... Or, or put it this way, that LBC should not employ Nigel Farage because he has opinions on the other side of the political spectrum to you. Uh, and Owen's got very extreme opinions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Farage has got extreme opinions. I think it is, um, I think it is an, uh, uh, an affront against media plurality, and I think it's an affront against free speech. Absolutely. In the sense that, you know, a lot of people have said, well, you know, free speech doesn't mean that you've got the right to have a radio show. Okay, that's true. But also... Free speech is diminished if parts of the media believe they've got the right to tell other parts of the media who they can and can't have speak. Yeah. yeah. Now, Owen himself uh, has got an LBC, or has had an LBC show. LBC employed James O'Brien. Mm -hmm. uh, Alastair Campbell's been on it many times. Ian Dale on the Brexit side. You know, it's a very plural radio station. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the idea that you should really uh, launch a big campaign and, and demand that advertisers stop advertising on LBC until they adhere to your idea of what is the right thing to say. Mm. Is, is, it's really damaging. You know, I can't stand Nigel Farage. I can't stand anything he says, right? But you need to be able to beat his argument, not to shut it down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Shine a shine a light on the on the failings of the totally. of the people. I mean, that also, I mean it's so stupid because what does he say he won his campaign? Right. Say he won his, his campaign to get Nigel Farage kicked off LBC. Do you think for a minute that would be the last we ever heard of Nigel Farage? Or would he not then be lionised 
as the you martyr, know the, the yeah. martyr yeah. of Brexit. It's it, so stupid. I think sometimes Owen um, gets a bit carried away with media, with social media campaigns and things, and suddenly there's a hundred, you know, hundred thousand likes or whatever, and he thinks, well, I'm doing the right thing. Whereas actually, a lot of the time he's existing in social media, where it's followed by people who agree with him, and you know, yeah. and it carries on like that, doesn't it? But it is well, frightening. I mean, any any. Significant um, muting of the of the press or censorship of the press in that manner is he's, a dangerous I mean, thing. He's he's incredibly charismatic, very articulate, and Nigel. Know, <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, Owen is certainly better looking than Nigel. There's no doubt about that. But um, but I really think you know you can't you can't say um, you know we're a beacon of of equality and democracy. And then say, except for that twat. Yeah, you yeah. know, it that doesn't work like that. No, it's nonsense. And I did say on Twitter, uh, I put a little thread on Twitter saying, and by the way, if Owen hates this thread so much, you can call happily call for a boycott of advertisers on the New European because <laughs> we haven't got any. So if you're an advertiser, if you've got a business, speak to me, please. Matt, just briefly tell us. We again going back to the editorial you wrote. Um, we, you know, we can see that that little shift, that little. That little glimmer of hope. So, so we need to go after it, obviously, and and as you said, that costs money. So, tell us how people can become supporters and patrons of the New European. How can yes, good question. I'm glad you asked. That. <laughs> it's like it's been prepared. Okay. Well, let me think about the correct order. If you if you're sitting here listening to us ramble on and think, do you know what these guys are doing? Something positive about fighting Brexit and providing a platform for people who wouldn't necessarily get uh, the opportunity to get their voice heard in, in, in this most critical conversation, here's what you can do. You can share this podcast. You can go onto our website and pick a piece of content and share the content out on social media to your friends. That's a positive thing to do. You can definitely please go out to your newsagent or your supermarket on a Thursday morning or Friday, Saturday, whenever we're on sale all week, and pick up and buy a copy of the New European. You can subscribe to the New European. We get a lot of people saying, um, you know, is it better to buy at the at the shop or to subscribe? And in the short term, if you if you can promise you're going to buy it every single week at the shop, that's the best thing. But over a period of time, the best thing for us is if you subscribe to the New European. It's not expensive. We've got some fabulous uh, deals. But also, we launched a couple of weeks ago a supporters club because there are a lot of people out there who want to do a bit more for us uh, and to help us expand our journalism. So we've got a supporters club on a site called Steady. Steadyhq.com. Uh, steadyhq.com that's right yeah steadyhq.com anyway, yeah if you go onto the um, if you go onto the website you'll you'll see it uh, there and we've got some supporters we've only been doing it a couple of weeks and we've got some really generous people yeah, we've had, to give us we've um, had names read out on the last two podcasts yeah, and I think you're going to do that new, now some for new patrons uh, this week so big thanks go to Catherine Martineau Claire Palmer Robin Meltzer Oliver Stutter Eric Beston, I can promise you that every single penny of your support will go to uh, furthering the journalism. It's not going on to anything else apart from more good journalism to help stop Brexit. Matt, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 
0843-88840 and quoting podcast one, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. Hello. We're going to talk about turning points that might shift, because I feel like there has been a little bit of a shift yeah. from the public towards Remain. And there's lots of talk of the people's vote and things. Lots of sensible people talking about it, not just nutters like us, mm-hmm. not just Ramonas Absolutely. like us. Snowflakes. Snowflakes. So, so we're going to talk about some of the turning points which may shift it one way or the other. Because I think it's finally, I think it's as finely balanced as it's ever been actually right now. Do you reckon? Since the referendum, yeah. yeah, I do. And that's not because I don't think it's anything to do with politicians. I've always said this. If it's, I've always said this. What needs to change for Brexit to change is for the will of the people to change. Yeah, and, I, of and I think that there is a little shift for that now, um, because of Brexpocalypse. Very exciting. Yeah, which I've just been talking about with, with the editor. Um, so, Jerry, give me firstly, give me something that might still win it for for, for leave that remain haven't nailed one of those turning points. You think one of those forks in the yeah in the road? I think I think remain still has a bit of a PR problem. To be honest. Um, what with people like me and you involved? Well, I don't know what yeah, exactly. We are the We're poster really. children. We, we, but yeah, but we really shouldn't be. No, and that's <laughs> kind of the problem. The, the new European is a wonderful thing, but it's uh, it's like all media. It's um, reflective in many respects, um, and the, what, I think what you're saying is there's no real. Uh, leader of the cause. It's well, disparate. Yeah, and I mean, we all scoffed, didn't we, at how Nigel oh. Farage painted himself as an everyman and yeah. stood in the pub with a pine. Oh. Uh, when we all know that's not true. Um, well, I think he just stand in the pub with a pine. He a lot, did stand in the pub with a pine. Quite a lot. Yeah. He's a, but he's not an, an everyman. He's no. not an everyman. Um, but it worked, didn't it? Yeah. Um, we kind of can't deny that. And, you know, we've spoken about it before. A lot of the reason it worked is because for a long time, a lot of people have felt dismissed by politics, and I yeah, think that's why that elite thing does have a resonance. That's why it lands, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think we're still doing it. I think there are definitely people who voted Remain, and it seemed solid to them. But then the reaction afterwards has kind of soured soured it for them right. and pushed them to the other side. So whether it's like, you know, you turned on the TV the day after the referendum, and there's. I'm stereotyping now, but a, a hipster metropolitan cafe owner. Bit you, like me. I saw you on telly. Yeah. Like me, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, saying, "Well, I don't understand what happened, and I'm highly educated." Mm. And I think that's a real problem. And so, you think there's a, there's a snobbery attached to the Remain cause? Hundred percent. And yeah. some people were really quick to jump to like racism and bigotry and this kind of phone nostalgia of of Europe to kind of say well this is why this is why people voted leave and there were elements of that of course there were yeah there were yeah um but i don't think it's been helpful to the remain cause that kind of commentator after commentator has dismissed the opinion of the poor the old the white and the uneducated i think there was some banners uh i'm not sure what what march it was or when it was a song on the on the photo wire this week that said brexit is racist and I thought, well, that's interesting. As a concept, is Brexit racist? Well, I'm not sure you no. can say that that's true. So are we saying in that case that leavers are racist? 
Now that is a very dangerous thing well, because exactly. I know a lot. I've got lots of very good friends who are certainly not racist. Yeah, they voted on other for for other reasons. They will if you are racist. If you are a racist listener, it's probably not the place for you. Yeah, but then also probably you did vote Leave because you were voting on those get these get these brown people out of my country yeah. nonsense. You know that. So I, to label all Leavers as racist. Is stupid, but it does seem to have been the sort of knee-jerk reaction of some Remainers. Absolutely, and you know, despite what Boris might have said, like you say, many people who voted Leave were genuinely concerned about levels of immigration, and I think re- a lot of Remainers continue to kind of assume that we all must feel the same because it's the way that we feel, and it ignores the fact that not everyone feels the way that kind of we do about migrants, and you know, to paint all leavers as racist is really unappealing and does little to win favour. So what do they have to do then to sort this, uh, to, 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 to reverse that potential I think, tipping point? I think we've got to address what are, what I think are legitimate questions actually, you know. You can ask if the EU's transfer, like, transformed working conditions for the better, which is something we say a lot, um, people may ask why are there zero hour contracts? Mm. Or um, if it's you know, so important for crime prevention, how do you explain some of the kind of high-profile cases, um, murder cases and things that you see in the news? And I think without, you know, my personal opinion is that without the EU, things would be even worse still, and you can give answers to those questions. But if we're going to turn around this kind of public relations nightmare that I think Remain sometimes has, then we need to be giving proper answers to those questions and not shying away from them in a but the EU is amazing type type way. Yeah, right. Another tipping point. What is hopeful? Where does the hope <laughs> lie? What are Leave doing wrong? What are Remain doing right? <laughs> well, what are Leave doing wrong? Where to start? Yeah, quite. <laughs> what a, um, I love the word omni-shambles. It really is. Omni-shambles, it really <laughs> it's is. Every yeah. turn, isn't it? Um, actually, you know, we could, we could talk about all the different, how every stumbling block the government are screwing this up at every single opportunity. But something that is a bit different that I've kind of noticed, and what some leavers who have turned Remainers are saying, they until they voted leave, they didn't notice how kind of intricately um, involved in our society the people who have come here from the EU are. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned a million times that my kind of specialism is um, health journalism. Yeah. And um, when I was talking to a gentleman a few weeks ago for a story completely unrelated to Brexit, um, he told me he'd voted leave. Mm -hmm. And it's because we were talking about the people involved in his care. And he said he woke up in hospital and he said 90% of the people he was being looked after by were from the EU. Mm -hmm. And he thought, oh God, what have I done? Mm. Because up until then, he hadn't had to think about it. So he's got regrets. He's got regrets, indeed. And would you vote, did he say that he would vote to remain then? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he oh, said wow. if we had a re- rerun tomorrow, that he'd vote remain. Again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Why weren't we telling people this during the campaign? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and there's, there's other things, you know, big red bus promises falling through and... All sorts, but I thought that one was quite interesting. So because, you really yeah. think you think that people, maybe not um, the people who, I, I mean, it's fine for people to have legitimate concerns about immigration. Yeah. You know, if your school, your kid's school can't take an influx of another three hundred kids and yeah. things like that, then that, that's absolutely fine. Um, but to, 
But a lot of people maybe voted along those lines hadn't stopped and thought about how we're going to get the fruits from the fields and no. into the supermarkets, how we're going to give that care. No, absolutely. Yeah. You're quite right. And uh, uh, what do we do now to, to... I mean, you talked about PR. What on earth can we do to... I think, well... Because that's a tricky one. That is a, it's a tricky one, this to... I mean, we're talking about it now, but you can imagine that... Um, to go on a, a, a political chat show on a sofa and, and stick up for immigrants is going to be a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it should be done. It should. I think I think the way to do it is to do actually what me and you and a million journalists across the country do every day and tell a, tell a human story about it. I think it's the only way to yeah. actually connect with people yeah. and talk about, you know, that person who's looking after your mother in her care home may not be able to be here. Or you know may not feel like they can be here or feel yeah. comfortable living or the here next anymore. Generation or the next of those generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the only way to do it is to make it real for people and make it less abstract. And people say, "Well, we should be training our own doctors. We should be training our own nurses." Yeah, that's not realistic. We don't we don't have enough people who want to do those jobs. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, or it's not not kind of viable enough for them to do it or attractive enough um we we need we need immigrants yeah i mean certainly let's just take the health service just briefly as a as a sort of um as an example without those continue without continual immigration uh, immigrants coming into the nhs yeah year on year filling roles that have been left vacant, et cetera, et cetera. What, what will happen? I mean, in five years, if that was to stop now, what would where the interest would be in five years? It's not an exaggeration to say that the NHS would not be able to function. There you go. It really isn't. And even if we are training our own doctors, that's going to take, what, seven, eight years to get them through medical well, exactly. school. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, you know, even if we do get a massive influx of 18-year-olds who suddenly decide they want to go to medical school. Which is great. I mean, which is great. Should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still not going to happen tomorrow, and it's definitely not going to happen by the time we we Brexit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So finally, what do you think? Am I being too positive? Because I can, I really can feel a shift towards Remain. I'm skeptical. From people on the street, I mean. I think I think I'm skeptical because I worry that for every every person that's moving to Remain, maybe someone's going over to leave do you think that's interesting i don't i don't think that's true i think there are remainers um who go i oh, just get on with it yeah now uh you know i voted remain we lost let's make the best we can out of it and that's democracy i think those people exist but given the choice again i don't think those people would vote leave all of a sudden maybe not maybe not and there's, there is a lot what of talk, good news have we had about leave where's been the but there are people who were on on the edge, weren't there? I'm on the edge. Are you on the edge? <laughs> <laughs> who were on, on the edge? On the edge, and um, you know, there, there there are parts of the EU which have come out since that people still don't like. Um, things like you know moving toward even more further towards a singular currency and things like that. People are still skeptical of that kind but of stuff. But the French uh, Europe minister sent with a message from Paris clearly on the Today programme, said, you can come back, all will be forgotten. Come back. Yeah. We miss you. We oh, love you. Come back, <laughs> We miss you. <laughs> That'd be lovely, wasn't it? She, she did. She said exactly yeah, that. Yeah, no, she did. No hard feelings. Yeah. Well, that would be nice. I, I'd like to think so. I just, I've been burnt before. <laughs> I'm scared to love again, Richard. <laughs> 
Okay, I feel like we're getting into realms of uh, your personality journey that perhaps we shouldn't on this family podcast. Thank you very much. Brexiteer of the week. Jerry. Richard. Steve's not here. <laughs> Do you know where he is? Where is he? He's on holiday. Where is he? Do you know where? Go on. Well, I'll give you a guess. Somewhere in Europe. Yes. You see? He's a Europhile. <laughs> on brand at all yeah, times. On brand, yeah. <laughs> He's in France. He's in France. I'm having, jealous. Yeah, I know. Mind you, I don't think the weather's much better in France than it is here, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm sure he's doing lots of cultural things like uh, eating cheese. Yeah, and yeah. Drinking. Probably gone to some museums. Drinking Perrier. <laughs> you don't really do booze, Steve, so it'll be Perrier. The Perrier will have gone straight to his head by now, mm-hmm. listeners. Okay, Brexit of the Week. So I'm going to do a quick rundown. Mm-hmm. So, Henry Bolton. Our fave. Yes. And what was really exciting last week was Joe Marnie, who's a massive favourite of this podcast. I mean, really, Joe, please come on. Oh, it'd be incredible, wouldn't it? And uh, she thinks that we're taking the mic. No, genuinely. We would really, really love you on the podcast, Joe. And we could argue, and we could still be friends afterwards. It's fine. This is how how political debate works. As I was saying to Chloe Wesley and her happy band of followers the other week, that's how political debate works. Two people disagree, then they go and have a beer and talk about something else. And you're both more than welcome, Joe and Chloe, to come on the pod. And then we'll go for a drink. I mean, no, nothing romantic or anything. I wouldn't want any more snarky emails. Henry will come for you. Henry and others. Um, so, uh, yes, he so he was upset by last week's Brex Factor, yeah. Henry Bolton. And um, we're, we, we uh, had a go at Joe. We, we made fun of her because she said, would you like to go to India and for them to have adopted British culture? And, of mm. course, Steve quite rightly pointed out that because of colonialism, they are quite fond of tea and cricket and yeah. other very English things. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't like that. So he he quoted, uh, Bolton described directly quoting his girlfriend as disingenuous, uh, uh, as this being disingenuous and misrepresentative propaganda. <laughs> it's quite chivalrous, really, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I'm so pleased they're still together. They remind me of Jason lovers. and Kylie. Yeah, Scott, <laughs> Scott and Charlene. This You're is before young. my time. I You're do know young. what you mean. 1988. Though. 22 million people watched the wedding of Scott and Charlene. And I think if Henry and Ross Joe... Ross and Rachel? Is miles bigger than oh. that. But I think if, um, if, if Henry and Joe get married, I think like it wouldn't, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to have a state occasion, but I think it'd be as close to a state occasion. As, certainly for us. Certainly for us. I mean, <laughs> we'd do a I, special pod. I would... Oh, imagine DJing at their wedding. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't oh. it? I would love that. Oh, we could go do a live pod from the wedding. We could do wedding. a live pod from the wedding. Henry, do the decent thing and propose <laughs> to Joe quickly. While the weather's still fine, mind you, I think he's probably still married, so he probably can't do that yet. Well, that's a sore point, Henry. <laughs> move on. So, who next? Ben Bradley, Remainer turned Brexiteer, Tory MP for Mansfield, revealed the depth of his intellect by asking those arguing we should have a second referendum. The single biggest threat to our economy is a Labour government. So if they ever win an election, I assume you'll be happy to have a rerun. Hilarious. Kind of missed the point there, hasn't he? <laughs> this is an elected member. Does he not realise that you have to get elected more than once, like every five years? He thinks he's going to be in, in office forever. Oh, <laughs> That's it me. now. Well, I'm not sure. With quotes like that, Ben, I'm not entirely sure that that is indeed true. Um, Jacob Rees-Mogg. He's back. Dressing for the past, but looking to the future. <laughs> That's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> We're talking about PR. That is uh, perfect. <laughs> this was quite shocking, actually. And we did a little funny piece on the um, on the website. He's he got to the point now where he says, 
Brexit's going to be great. Hardest Brexit ever. Do it, do it, do it. And it'll all be fine yeah. in about 50 years. Yeah. Well. Great for all of us, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, it's all right for you. You're only 11. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for the likes of me and, you know, other people who are also old on this podcast. <laughs> Naming no we're names. literally screwed. By the time I'm 87... Nearly 88 in 50 years' time, I'll be. Oh, God. That's but of course, But, of course, uh, little little baby Rees-Mogg will only be 51. Yes, absolutely. So, nice. so there's be, still a future. They're running the country by then, aren't they? Yes. Probably the, the Rees-Mogg's. Probably sooner than that, actually. Oh. Scarily. Uh, who next? You pick one. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Any one of them. I like the Queen. Oh, well, I felt a bit bad about this. Did you? Well, you see, the Queen, I have... I've said this the other week on the pod, and I got some stick about it actually, but um, I'm not sure the monarchy is really in keeping with the 21st century progressive country, but then I'm You're not sure we... You've outed yourself. I'm not sure we are a um, 21st century progressive country anymore, so maybe, in fact, the monarchy is the thing to keep. But the Queen herself yes. has kept a dignified silence for all the years she's been in power, and she has some... I love the wish when it's a big occasion she dresses like she's going to a rave... <laughs> She has the day glow things, and she's really gone for that in old age. Did you she? not even feel a little bit affronted when she was disrespected by Donald Trump? Absolutely. Oh, good. Good. Absolutely. Oh, no, I'm still... saying I like yeah. the Queen. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I mean, I'm not that keen on her killing animals for fun. Well, no. Uh, but she, you know, she's an old lady. She seems like she's polite enough. She's lightened up in her old age, I think. She has, but she's 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 poor. She is poor. <laughs> she's, uh, um, Brexit's going to ruin her finances. Despite the fact that she uh, she was outed as a bit of a Brexiteer. Well, apparently. Again, allegedly. You know, allegedly. Supposedly. Yeah, via Nick Clegg and yeah. Michael Gove, two of the most trustworthy politicians <laughs> you'll ever meet. Um, but she's down to her last 350 million. Uh-huh. Where does that figure sound familiar from? Well, quite. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we should give that Brexit dividend straight to the Queen. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of prefer it. <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> I'm down to my last 350 million. Oh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm still on 400. I'll lend you some. Oh, that's very kind of you. That's very kind. (laughs) Okay. Nadine Doris. Mm -hmm. She gets better every week, Nadine Doris, doesn't she? Have you read any of her books, by the way? Um, They're not on my list. So she's been sharing. What does she have? Some weird YouTube channel or something? She's an influencer now. She's an influencer. So she's she's been, up there with Zoella. So, oh, is she still around, Zoella? Zoella's still about, yeah. Is she? Yeah. She's the one that does makeup. She does do makeup. And she does, um, like, Very ridiculous expensive, expensive advent advent calendars. <laughs> and is she married to a YouTuber? I think you're thinking of Tanya Burr and right. Jim Chapman. Oh, I They're think Tanya Burr couple. follows me on, on Twitter. Look at you. Yeah, I bet you can't guess my most important and impressive follower on Twitter. Oh, let's have a think. Is it the Queen? <laughs> Don't think the Queen does her on Twitter account, Joe, and to disappoint. I think the most impressive person who follows you is probably going to be someone from a child's television show. (laughs) (laughs) You've got children. Yeah, but uh, have I got any children's television? No, go on, who is it? Who is it? It's a politician. Is it Jacob Rees-Mogg? It's not. It's a politician I've never met and a politician I've never interviewed. Is it Barack Obama? It is Barack <laughs> Obama! And I reckon he's on TweetDeck filtering just my tweets. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if he listens to the pod. Well, Barack... You listen. can come on as well. It, you, Joe, and Chloe, right here in the TNE library, next 
next week. And then we'll all just go have a drink afterwards. And we'll all go have a drink. Yep. Barack's so Where'd cool Where do you reckon? Weatherspoons? Well. Oh no, Steve will go nuts if he hasn't been in there. No, we'll go there, we'll, we'll, we'll wander down to one of the locals. Barack will be so cool. He's yeah, very cool. He's I'd love to go cool. for a drink with Barack. And um, Nadine Dorries doesn't, but she is sharing thrifty ways to make over your home. It's very um, Kirsty Allsop, this. It is. I like Kirsty Allsop. Yeah. She's Brexit. I bet you she? do. Chalkboard pin is so useful for noting, no, for noting grocery lists but it can look unsightly on a wall in full view. Mm-hmm. That's true. It is true. You might as well just write on your wall. She says, visitors won't know you're running out of tea bags if you use it on the inside of a cupboard door clever, instead. Clever, clever. I'm always worried about people thinking I'm running out of tea bags. I go to these, I go to people's houses sometimes when they invite me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Does that happen often? And not often. <laughs> but they have lists of things that they've got to pick up at the shops. I yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> I go to the supermarket and just go, beer. <laughs> <laughs> Bread, milk. <laughs> there we go. That's me sorted. Job's done. But people have lists of things. They do. I have lists of things. Well, do you use this method, and will you be in future? And um, well, I'm seriously considering it now. I've been using my phone all this time, but clearly ah, I am wrong. Good idea. And this this is the way this to go. This is the way to do it. Chalk. Yeah. Um, this is my favourite though. Conceal your unsightly Wi-Fi router by hiding it in a hollowed-out hardback book. That seems a bit um. A bit kind of sin- uh, sinister to me. Why is she hollowing out books? Absolutely. Well, she hiding in revolvers. There. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing, isn't it? It's we, a bit. It's we like had So when we when we were putting this together upon the desk, we we had a conversation about this, and and some of the other people on the desk said, "I wouldn't want to hide my Wi-Fi router. I like my Wi-Fi router. Proud of it. I like it. I like it to be on display. <laughs> like, look at me, everyone. I've got Wi-Fi. Hey." Look, well, I know. Well, me and you both. We've spent months without Wi-Fi Absolutely. this year between us. But, but I mean, surely we're past past that. Uh, oh, what's that strange little <laughs> box there? Oh, that's Wi-Fi. I'm not oh. sure why people are so bothered about it either way. Well, I, just, I just put mine behind the TV. And then it's there. And no one can see it. It's kind and of so fine. So you are embarrassed about your Wi-Fi. Well, I'm not embarrassed about it, but I'm not going to build a shrine to it. <laughs> The Brexit era of the week, this week, is uh, Gerard Batten, mm-hmm. UKIP's leader. Yep. He's been leader for ages now, hasn't he? I mean, it's a good run for a <laughs> UKIP leader, frankly. <laughs> he, uh, he, this is a man who refers to Islam as a death cult. Yeah. Um, he's fond of saying that the EU has contributed nothing to Britain, as most UKIPers are. Well, really. yes. That's kind of the point, isn't it? So I'm not sure if I'm going to UKIP conference. You've got year. to go, surely. <laughs> I did go last year. You're welcome, Vogue Night. And I had a lovely time. Yeah. I had a lovely time. Um, Didn't you shout at Nigel Farage? No, that was Corbyn. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. What a Freudian. <laughs> Freudian. Well, he loves Brexit now, doesn't well, he? Yeah, Corbyn. Exactly. He's he changeable. Did. He always did, but now he's now he's told us the truth. Um, so the conference this year is going to be held at the ICC, which is something of an upgrade from Torquay last year. No offence to Torquay place but the conference centre was just a like a sports hall uh-huh. so the ICC in Birmingham yep. I went to Games Master Live there in about two, 1992 <laughs> very good I was born in 1992 well I was at Games Master Live <laughs> there we go and um, yeah so that's where they're having their conference mm-hmm. of course that was built on the back of an EU donation of okay. £50 million. Pounds. Obviously. And the EU never contributed anything no, never to Britain. Anything. It hadn't been for them. What's the EU ever done for us? Well, they would have been just in a car park in Birmingham doing their conference. I can't imagine them filling it. The car so, park or the ICC? Well, either these days. So, Mr. Patton, you are the Brexiteer of the week. Now, 
listener, I'm going to stand in for Steve. Like this podcast, rate it, tell everyone you meet online and in the real world on the street, in the pub, when you meet real Start people. Start your conversations How with brilliant it. brilliant it is. Yes, yeah, so I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I've now got zero friends. When people don't invite you to their houses to see their shopping list. Because I'm right on the list, listen to TNE podcast. <laughs> um, um, the ratings uh, really help us go up in the rankings and get seen more, and the more people we get seen by and liked by and loved by, the more likely is that those tipping points we were talking about might start to tip in our direction. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter. It's at the New European. And you can follow me at Porrit, P O R R I T. And you can follow Jerry. It's at Jerry underscore E underscore L underscore Scott. Brilliant. Jerry like the Spice Girl, not Jerry Springer. But you are probably more like Jerry Springer than Jerry. Oh, were yeah. Were you named 100%. after Jerry Halliwell? No, no. Oh, you were no. too early for that, weren't you? Yeah. So were you named after Gerald, Jerry, and the Pacemakers? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. It means a heck of a lot to us that you do each week. In increasing numbers, we keep getting wonderful charts showing how many new listeners we've got every week. So this really is a growing band of uh, resistance. If you haven't already... We've got a summer special bumper issue of the paper out. It's £3, a little bit more expensive because it's rather larger than normal. There is no paper next week, but there will, of course, of course there will be a podcast. So we'll see you again next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, please do the honours. Here you go. of the week. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.
Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food. Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.